You're listening to the SIL Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 59, Digging Words, Ubiquitous, It's Everywhere. Now, fast forward to our age, and the world of ubiquity is immense. There are way more ubiquitous elements to life that are everywhere. Oh, sure, because we've gone way past the survival level. Yeah, that are not connected to survival Mm -hmm. at all, and Mm -hmm. that are in many cases just frivolous Mm -hmm. or entertainment-based, that are everywhere. I've been afraid of big words since I was a kid. I thought that I'd get over it, somehow I never did. Usually it's no big deal, but every now and then, you're audaciously loquacious. Ah! It kicks in again. Hippopotamonstrosus, quipidaliophobia. Hippopotamonstrosus, quipidaliophobia. If you're afraid of big long words, here's one you should know. Hippopotamonstrosus, quipidaliophobia. Hippopotamonstrosus, quipidaliophobia. <laughs> now I know my ABCs. <laughs> Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is much easier. It is much easier. Well, that's because you're used to that, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about digging words. Digging words. Yeah. And what the heck is this all about? Something new. Something new. Tell me about it, borrowed something blue. Well, what we're doing here is a little experiment in creating a new set of podcasts within our larger SIL podcast world Mm -hmm. called Digging Words. Yeah. And the idea was, I kept thinking about how wonderful, unique, zany words are. Our language that we use to communicate with each other is filled with all kinds of very interesting Mm. words that have interesting derivations Mm -hmm. and are used in kind of... Used and misused. And misused, yeah. Yeah. Or or changed and altered for the modern world and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And I thought, let's take a word, any word practically. Like ubiquitous. Like... Today's word, ubiquitous. <laughs> ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. A too ubiquitous. A too bruteitous. Yeah, ubiquitous. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and say, okay, let's take ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? How is it used? What does it mean? What does it imply in its meaning? And kind of unpack the box of that word and see where it takes us. Where does it come from? A uh, Latin derivative, ubi. Ubi, which means... Where. Because ubiquitas, Latin... Easy means, for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> means everywhere. Right. And then what? It evolves around the middle of the 19th century to the English version, ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. Right? hmm Meaning omnipresent, everywhere. Widespread. Widespread, prevalent. It's a very cool word. It is. I like the Q-U words, the sound of them. Mm. Words like uh, quotidian, unequivocal. Well, you can have... A ubiquitous quotidian. Yeah. What does quotidian mean? It means kind of our day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. And there are all kinds of uh, ubiquitous phenomena that we experience day-to-day in the quotidian. Right. So all these QU words are wonderful words, QU. And so ubiquitous. What are some of the ubiquitous phenomena in the world today? Computing. For example, computing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's in everything, or it will be in everything. 
Mm-hmm. From the light switches in your home to your stoves to your phones, which we already have, but they're going to expand that further. Mm-hmm. To what? Your teeth? <laughs> no, seriously, uh, literally everywhere, along with AI. Yeah. The computing process is going to be employed virtually everywhere. Mm. What kind of a world is that going to be, do you think, if, when and if that happens? Well, I'm not 100% sure, but from my own personal experience, I feel a little bit more comfortable still having basic skills that aren't totally reliant on computers so that in the event, uh, probably not in the event, when something fails, that I can still count on my own abilities or resources to get me out of a jam. Yeah, but you're in the analog into digital I know. age I'm group. I'm in the transitional group. The digital youngins mm-hmm. are not in the position that you are in to adjust when and if the big net of everything technological kind of breaks down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What lies in store for them? That, that's my question. I, I don't know, and I, I don't want to be foreboding about it because you don't know. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what the consequences will be. I'm just thinking about it from my own day-to-day application of things. Right now, obviously, let's take a car, for example. You're heavily reliant on computing already. We've seen that transition in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. But there are still some things that you can do manually that will get you out of a jam. If you blow a tire, it still requires a physical changing of a tire. I'm sure the day will come when that will be looked after too. Either we won't have tires because we're riding on a pocket of air, yeah, uh, which will rely mm-hmm. on a computer to control that. But to simplify this, this is the analogy that I would use. Let's take something that we know now, an airplane. Oftentimes we hear about autopilot. Mm. Planes cruising at 30,000, 35,000 feet, they put it on autopilot for a segment of the flight. Everything's automated, everything's working great. But you've got two guys sitting there that know how to fly that plane in the event that systems fail. Right. So on top of not only having a better understanding of the equipment as it's working because they've flown the thing themselves, in a pinch, they can take over. But Mm. what if that aircraft relied solely on computing mechanisms or electronics or whatever Mm -hmm. whatever system you've adopted? Mm. What's the result? Yeah. How do you get out of that? Now, I'm sure when they develop these things that they will have backup systems, computers backing up computers. But is there a safety net? Will they have a big net sitting over the Atlantic Ocean as you're flying over in the event of failure that will catch you and the plane if it... Uh... A giant net. What a brilliant idea. That's a great... <laughs> well, it could, be, it could be a force field that's run by computers uh-huh, or, or uh-huh. some kind of net that softly catches you and the plane as you're heading towards the ocean. We're really talking Star Trek-y well, sure. kind of world, aren't we? Where yeah. everything is computer connected. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Kind of. I mean, it's all possible. We don't know. There are things that are happening now that you never thought were possible 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. 3D printing, for example. Yeah, exactly. Which I still can't get my head around, right. frankly. And it seems to be becoming more ubiquitous. It's not everywhere yet. No. But it's talked about a lot. Well, it's not ubiquitous for economic and practical reasons, but if you wanted to make it ubiquitous, you could. Just like anything else, you'd have to have uh, something that's commercially viable on a large scale. Like a smartphone. Exactly. Right, which are ubiquitous. Smartphones are, if if anything is ubiquitous, ubiquitous it is is the very definition of ubiquitous is the smartphone, isn't it? Which, by the way, currently it's almost reached saturation. Meaning what? There's very little room for growth in terms of people actually owning the phone. 
Uh-huh. You can upgrade, of course. You can change. You can modify. But in terms of phones being in people's possession, mm-hmm. if you look at the um, the charts, you'll see that the last couple of years, sales have really flattened out. Don't you think the future will hold something in the nature of a smartphone will be in your hands? Yes, but everything that's on that smartphone will also be on your kitchen counter, mm-hmm. on your dashboard in the car, mm-hmm. at the laundromat. Actually, uh, I see a day, well, they're already talking about it, where you've got implants under your skin, close to your brain, wherever, Right. that's doing all of this. Yeah. You will dispense with the physical elements that hold all these chips. Because, in essence, the smartphone is the capsule which contains the computing power. Mm-hmm. So if you were able to do the same thing without the casing... Yeah, but why would you even need, ultimately, an individualized thing in your hand when you could access, like via cloud technology, Mm -hmm. all your information anywhere you go? You wouldn't need a smartphone anymore, would you? Because you could get it, as I said, on your kitchen counter, at the shopping center, at a kiosk, or wherever. You could just Mm -hmm. dial up your stuff, and there it is. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't need to carry that little smartphone around anymore. Mm -hmm. But I don't have enough detailed information and skill and knowledge with regards to futuristic developments or or even what's happening now. I mean, I know what I see on TV, what I hear on the radio, what I hear on the news, but I'm really not aware of the depth Mm -hmm. of the experiments and where things really are. We only know what we can purchase. Yeah, sure. You don't even know half of what's being developed. What's next, you know, whether it's a chip under the skin. Because people come into my shop where I work as a cashier, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and they come by and they pay and they're pulling out these plastic cards and trying to fiddling with their wallets, trying to find the card. They're trying to find the app on the cell phone for their air miles thing. And it's it's all clunky. And they're in a hurry to get home. We want to be efficient. But it's the very technology of the thing which is still not streamlined. Yeah, we're still in the process of refining many things. And the essential items for current usage are there in terms of what we know, what we can handle now. Yeah. But there's so much more that's coming. Sure. And so what else is ubiquitous in our society? Well, before before we go to that, uh, let's talk about the nature of ubiquity in the past versus the present. Yeah, Yeah. and I was saying how in village life, pre-industrial revolution, Mm pre-pre-pre, way, way back, there were ubiquitous elements to life, and they all connected to survival, Mm -hmm. whether it's going into the fields after agriculture was created and or evolved, mm-hmm. there were all of these things you had to do to survive, cutting wood, making sure there was game to be caught to feed the families, etc. Mm-hmm. And people shared that. And so it was a ubiquitous lifestyle in a yeah, way. Like spears and fires. And- right. Mm-hmm. And now fast forward to our age and the world of ubiquity is immense. There are way more ubiquitous elements to life that are everywhere Oh, sure, because we've gone way past the survival level. Yeah, that are not connected to survival mm-hmm. at all. And mm-hmm. they are, in many cases, just frivolous mm-hmm. or entertainment-based that are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, when thinking of the arts, Andy Warhol yep. was a kind of pioneer in thinking ahead to the world we live in, in his multiple copies of Marilyn Monroe imagery or Elvis, which he did, yes. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The world of replication where images are ubiquitous. 
Right. Right? Certain images, especially, are everywhere. These days, Trump's image is ubiquitous. Almost enough to give you a seizure. <laughs> I think he already had one many years ago. Never recovered. <laughs> but then, you know, which leads you to ubiquitous words. Yes. That are out there. Words that are constantly thrown around that have become almost meaningless. Like, what would be an example of a word? Cool. Cool, great, yeah. huge. Tremendous. These are all Trumpisms, really. <laughs> it's almost he's single-handedly increasing the ubiquitous word pile. And I mentioned the word cool. We didn't say it's a bad word. We just said it's very commonly used to express a variety of meanings, actually. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because let's say you were able to bring back someone from the past and right in front of you stood someone from the turn of the 19th or even 20th century for that matter. Mm-hmm. And you use the word cool. Immediately they go running for a sweater. <laughs> right. There would be zero association with any other meaning. Well, yeah. And you roll the tape back to the 1940s, say, mm-hmm. and the word swell. Mm-hmm. That's swell. Yeah. That's really swell. Right. Why I oughta. Yeah. Uh, these phrases and words were ubiquitous back then in the common parlance of society. Right. And now we've adopted new ones. Yeah. Sketchy. What's another word for cool? It's da bomb, was good, was in for a while. Yeah, what, 70s and 80s? Da bomb, it's da bomb. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But we're talking slang words that become ubiquitous through usage. But often these slang words then fall out of use and they're no longer ubiquitous. Right. But, and the interesting thing about that is that even the dictionaries are constantly being updated to include ubiquitous words. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A word that didn't even exist, or a definition that didn't even exist 15, 20 years ago, because it becomes part of the culture. What was the other thing I was going to bring up about ubiquitous? Oh, yes. One of the meanings of ubiquitous that pops up is omnipresent. Mm -hmm. And omnipresent most typically is used in a spiritual or religious sense to describe the Godhead. It's a God-like expression. God is omnipresent Mm -hmm. everywhere. And so it's a very interesting idea that religion has brought into the mix that God is everywhere. This one being, Mm -hmm. this monotheism, one being is everywhere. Whereas in the ancient worlds, before monotheism, it was polytheism. So gods were not everywhere. Gods were in certain sort of sectors. You had gods specific to... Specific places. Yes, gods of the harvest, mm. gods of the hunt, mm-hmm. you know, gods of mm-hmm. husband and wife. You, you know, needed a management system. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And the gods uh-huh. were good at that. Then, then they dispensed with the management system and they became a one god. You spread out the load, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But then now one god comes in, it's yeah. like, oh my God, how's oh he going to handle all this shit, right? <laughs> well, he <laughs> can. He can because he's omnipresent. He's, because he's everywhere, he's like everywhere, Chicken Man. He's everywhere, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. <laughs> Box, box. So, what's your story? Another exciting episode in the life of the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. Chicken! You 
ubiquitous. There's so many blossoms everywhere. I mean, the trees are just like... They do seem to be present everywhere. Yeah. You know what I was just thinking, just looking around? Yeah. Um, was that like these little, whatever, those like dandelions, those things are ubiquitous in springtime. Mm. I just see them all over the place. Yes. You know what I thought about? Why didn't I go into making bricks? You look around, I'd be a millionaire. You'd be a millionaire because yeah. they're ubiquitous. They're everywhere. Bricks, especially in the East Coast. Not so much on the West Coast. Right? A lot of these uh, cherry blossoms, which we think, you know, it's a ubiquitous cherry blossom, springtime, yeah. it's all over the place. A lot of them are just crab apple trees. I'd say what's not ubiquitous. Three white guys sitting this closely together on a bench. I don't know if it's close enough. Box, box. The word ubiquitous is fascinating in a way, the way you can take it and you can shoot off in the direction of the future and technology. You can shoot back into the past. You can shoot into religion and spirituality. Mm -hmm. What I love about words like that is you need so little to describe so much. Yeah, that's right. The actual name attributed oh, yeah. to... <laughs> Let's try it. <laughs> Hippopotamonstrosis quipadaliophobia. Correctomundo. Whoa, I got it. You got Which it. means... Fear of long, long words. words. <laughs> I think that's very funny. That fear of long words is mm -hmm. one of the longest words. By the words. way, what does super fragilistic expialidocious mean? I think it just means uh, chilled to the bone or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, what's interesting is that the fact that we have way more ubiquity in the world now than we had when we were mm. villages, if you like, to me is one of the factors that makes people kind of crazy in the face of their life. Mm -hmm. Because the world is so filled with these things that are everywhere and that are mostly meaningless. Yes, right? it's a lot of clutter. Yeah. How do you, you know, face into a world where there's so much that comes at you on a regular basis, mm -hmm. which doesn't mean much, mm -hmm. and yet it's there in your environment, in your ears, in front of your eyes? Noise pollution. Yeah, very much so. Mm -hmm. uh, and every year, of course, there's a new trend, whether it's planking, mm -hmm. which was ubiquitous a number of years ago. Planking. Gangnam, Gangnam dancing. Remember Gangnam style? Explain planking. Planking was where you would stretch out in a kind of a rigid plank, horizontally in like a plank, like you were a plank, mm -hmm. but you'd span across a space. So it could be high up on a rooftop where you're spanning a little section of rooftop right over top of this so drop. in a pinch, you could form a bridge for people? And yeah, it is. A, yeah, it was a kind of a bridge yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And you'd plank in these different places. And that mm -hmm. was big for a while. Then twerking came in a few yeah. years ago. So the point is that you know, in, anything that becomes viral right. is a kind of ubiquitous phenomenon. And well, every the word, year... the word viral is mm. synonymous with ubiquity. Yes, that's right. So illness, <laughs> disease, yeah, right? Certain diseases, cancer is mm -hmm. ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. We live with these big ubiquitous phenomena and millions of small ubiquitous specks of nothing that are floating around. Minutia. Minutia that float yeah. around our atmosphere. Yeah. So we're living in a ubiquitous world. That could be a song. Living in a ubiquitous world. Whoa. <laughs> Is that an imitation of Dylan? I was kind of, yeah, Dylan, ubiquitous. Well, actually, Dylan would be the perfect guy to write a song about that. He would, you know. Yeah. Give me ubiquitous yeah. phenomena, yeah. and I'll take them for what they're worth. Mm. Yeah, something like, <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There's the word. 
and we've unpacked it to a degree. I'm sure there's more we could say about it, but I don't think we need to belabor the word. But we're going to do more of this, I think. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is our very first podcast on this. We're obviously going to explore it a lot more. And why don't you, who are listening, Mm -hmm. comment on this idea? We'd like to hear whether you think it's a fun idea and we should, uh, you know, carry on with it, or whether it's just a pile of ubiquitous crap. Crap. And we will immediately (laughs) dispense with it. That's right. And speaking of which, the things that we'd really appreciate, regardless of the subject that we're doing, is a response from listeners. Yeah, of course. Whether it's by email, whether we have on our website, uh, you can immediately just literally press a button and leave your voice message, Mm -hmm. which we may even use in future podcasts with your permission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and so uh, please uh, do visit thesillpodcast.com and uh, email or send us your voice messages. We'd we'd really appreciate it. And we'd we'd like any kind of feedback. And if enough of you do that, of course, we'll become... Ubiquitous. <laughs> Such is life. Sounds like an infection. It does. We want to infect you with our ubiquitous words. All right. That's it. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production, available at thesillpodcast.com.